Let's get into it, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode three of No Blueprint featuring James Jones. He's a powwow dancer, fitness instructor, and so many more, so much more. I am super excited. Um, just to kind of dive deep right away, uh, I want to make sure that I pay homage to the creator, you know, for this moment in time. Uh, last week, we spoke with uh, Kenny Starr, and, you know, we had a conversation about synergy. And so I appreciate that we get to share this moment with you, James Jones, and thank the creator for lining everything up for us. So big shout out mm -hmm. to you for this moment in time, you know, make sure we pay homage. Awesome. I also want to pay homage to the land that I'm on. So I reside on Algonquin territory, you know, so shout out to our, our distant relatives, our Algonquin people here in the uh, Ottawa region. And I also want to thank our guests. We have some amazing people tuning in. Um, you know, everybody on our Zoom, on a, who's tuned in on our Facebook, I want to give thanks to them as well for joining in. This is a mm -hmm. great opportunity to learn the truth, you know, from people who are doing incredible things, people who've made it in my eyes, in my opinion. And uh, I'm just really grateful to be here. And of course, we got to thank our guest, James Jones, for being here today. I know how busy things are. You know how fast life can move. And through these quarantine mm -hmm. times, I think it forces us to slow down a little bit. So I wanted to, to thank you for joining us. And let me start off by asking, how are you doing through these COVID times? Well, thank you so much for having me on. My brother, Justin, I appreciate it. Um, you know, Kisa, Manatao. Uh, you know, just give thanks to the creator. Um, yeah, during these times has been pretty crazy, to be honest. Um, a lot of people probably don't know this, but um, because I competed at the World Hoop Championships in February, I, I pushed all my shows back to start. Usually I have shows like all through January, February, but I, I wanted to train really hard this year for the World Hoop Championships. So I pushed all my shows back to start exactly on March 20th. So all my gigs, everything I had lined up was pushed and planned to start on March 20th because of the World Hoop Championships. And it just so happens like this whole crazy coronavirus lockdown, like basically started like March like 15th or March 16th. So um, for me, yeah, it took me out of a lot of work. But I've been able to get some really amazing work done online, you know, since this whole thing has happened. I've been keeping myself busy with uh, Powwow Fitness. I've been putting out a lot of content. Um, I started a YouTube channel. Um, I started uh, a, a, a Facebook kind of fan page. Uh, I started a TikTok. I started all these social media platforms that I had never really dabbled like that much in before. And it's you know it's it's really um just helped me understand the uh just how you know how important it is to keep working even during tough times man you know even when you're even when you're feeling down when things are not going right you know you gotta you gotta still check off those check marks every day you gotta continue to eat well you gotta take care of yourself you know mentally uh physically spiritually and you also got to continue to work and move forward and, and, and you got to continue to um, focus on your goals and dreams. You know what I mean? Because th those things are always like those things are not going to go away. You know, the stuff that we're going through right now, like that's going to go away. Eventually, things are going to get back to, to normal or some way. But, you know, your goals, your dreams, your aspirations, everything that you want to do in life, like that stuff's not going to go away, man. So you've got to 
keep pushing towards those goals and dreams. You got to keep, you know, keep uh, working on yourself, you know, in all different levels. And that's what I've just been doing. I haven't been like, I haven't been doing anything real crazy, but I've just been slowly working on, you know, building my social media brand a bit better, sharing my story, uh, putting out more content during this time. And yeah, that's been, it's been working for me. So respect, man. I appreciate you sharing. You dropped a, a lot of knowledge right there in a short time span. And I think uh, let's take this back a little bit. You've been in this game a long time. You know, I, I was browsing on your Facebook, doing my research, and you have pictures with like Immortal Technique. You got pictures with like Yasin Bey. For those who don't know who that is, it's most deaf. For those who don't know who that is, it's an icon in the rap game. So I also know that b-boying and breakdancing was your first love. So yeah. take us all the way back to that time frame in your life. What age were you when you started, you know, b-boying and doing that stuff? And how did you get involved with that? Well, um, I never grew up in a traditional setting. Like, um, I, I grew up, you know, I grew up in the north. I grew up, uh, you know, um, you know, around my cousins and around my community, around my uncles, aunties, cook them, all that. Um, but we, I never really grew up in a, in a traditional setting, you know, like I, I, I grew up, I didn't know my language. I didn't know anything about, um, you know, ceremonies. I didn't know about dances. You know, I, I, I can only say a few Cree swear words, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, and part of that is because, you know, um, you know, residential schools played a really big part in, um, you know, taking away a lot of culture from um, our, my, my, our community, especially in the North, the Northern Alberta. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of the young people growing up, uh, growing up without their traditions, growing up without their culture and stuff like that. And for me, um, the very first art form that I actually got into was um, uh, I don't know, like this. It was like these party dances, like back in the '90s, like with TLC and MC Hammer and all these like all these old school rap videos. Um, I started getting into these party dances. And um, they were like hip hop, old school hip hop dances. And I, I just liked the way people danced when I watched it on TV. So I, I started off doing that. And then when I moved to Edmonton, um, when I was about, uh, I'd say like around 10, 11 years old is when I met a, a group of um, indigenous break dancers. They were a break dancing group in Edmonton. And uh, I was just really drawn, man, to, to what they were doing and how much joy and positive energy they were bringing when they would dance. You know, they would always get people smiling. They would always get people feeling good. So I wanted to, I wanted to, um, to try it. And um, I, I started learning a little bit about it. One of the guys in the group showed me a couple of uh, simple dance moves. And then that's just kind of how it started, man. I just got, I fell in love with it. And, you know, at the time I was up to no good. You know, I was hanging out with, uh, during my teen years, I, you know, I was, I was into, you know, hanging out with um, people who were in, you know, gangs and drugs and alcohol and, you know, the whole, the whole inner city spiel, you know what I mean? And um, yeah, it was really, uh, it was really, um, I'm really thankful that I was able to find that because that pulled me away from all the negativity that I was going through growing up, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, and then, yeah, that's how I got into breaking. And then I started competing and traveling and uh, started getting asked to come and do gigs and talk to kids all over like North America. And then got to go to Italy, got to go to Spain, like when I was like 16, just to go and, and, and dance, you know what I mean? So yeah, it's, it was, it's crazy, man, how it all happens, you know what I mean? When you, when you, when you replace neg negative with positive, like good things come your way. Mm, well said. And, uh, you know, back in those days, so you started breaking, if I remember this correctly, like 11 years old, 12 years old. 
right? And so in that time yeah. frame, do you remember the first live performance that you did that really sticks out to you? Like what was what was one of those moments that really sticks out to you, man? Yeah, well, um, I, I, I would say one of the, the very first things that I remember um, as being an artist is, this is kind of a funny story. Um, I got asked to do a, uh, a breakdancing performance, b-boy performance with uh, this, this local group along when I was like, I think I was like 14 years old. And it was at this sober dance club, like we used to have sober dance clubs in Edmonton and uh, a lot of teenagers and families would hang out there. And then they're like, hey, you want to, we're gonna do a show here in an hour, do you want to perform with us? And I was like, yeah, all right, cool, let's do it. And then like, as it got closer to the performance, honestly i was so terrified like i all my insecurities just like crept up and i was so scared i'm telling you man my very first performance i got asked to do i was so terrified i was so scared that i actually hid in the washroom during the entire performance like i didn't go dance i literally i, I went to the washroom and it was like you know when you start watching like uh you know eight mile at the beginning yeah. and he's like looking he's like He's like, look, he's like, spaghetti, I'm about to puke. Like, bro, I'm telling you, it was exactly like that, man. Like, wow. straight up. And I actually hid in the washroom for the entire performance. And when the performance ended, um, I, I can't, I kind of snuck out and come back in the crowd. And I was like, oh, what happened, man? I, I didn't know, I, thought, I didn't see you guys, you know? And like, I just, I just, I think back to that time when I was, you know, so insecure that I wasn't able to, even bring myself to perform in front of people as to now like that's all I do is perform in front of thousands of people and travel and talk and like I just it's crazy to think back to when you first start like just you know um, learning to deal with those insecurities and learning how to like transition those into into motivation and, and to help you go you know because it's yeah that was my that's one of my honest like first that's the very first performance I ever got asked to do was I hid in the washroom um, but yeah, I, but after that, I kind of, you know, obviously I, I started actually coming to the shows and actually dancing in them. And I was like, okay, this is not so bad. So, <laughs> wow, man, uh, you actually were bringing up a really important topic that I really enjoy having conversations with people who are on this no blueprint podcast. And you were talking about anxieties, you know, you talked a little bit about insecurities. How do you manage that? Like, how did you develop the strength and the know-how to manage your emotions, your anxieties, those insecurities. How did you do that, man? Well, for me, like a lot of my um, anxiety and a lot of my insecurity came from a lot of, uh, you know, bullying and racism that I was dealing with um, at school, you know, because when I went to school in Edmonton, I went to a, uh, a non-Indigenous school. You know, there was, um, you know, predominantly, or was like a lot of Caucasian, um, there was a lot of, you know, uh, other ethnicities and there was only a very small population of indigenous kids in that school. It was a Catholic school. So I experienced a lot of racism. I experienced a lot of bullying and it, it made me feel like I, uh, you know, when I was about to perform, I always, those, all those things that people would say to me, those negative things, they would pop up in my head. Like, oh, you, you're not good enough. They're going to laugh at you, yada, yada. You know, like those things were the things that popped up into my head. and then. Um, the way that I kind of got over that is I started replacing those thoughts with the positive things people would say to me, you know what I mean? So instead of thinking about, oh man, like you're whack or you'll never make it or people are going to laugh at you and people are not going to like you. Instead of thinking those thoughts, I started replacing them with positive things I, I would hear like, yo man, you're a dope dancer. 
yo man uh, your moves are really inspiring yo man you know like i, I really appreciate uh like the, the the way you incorporate your dance moves you know like you're a good guy like i started replacing those insecure um those insecurities with 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 positive positive affirmations man and those things that's what really drove me to continue to, to dance uh to continue in my art form and to get over that fear of of performing and caring about like what people are going to say negatively you know what i mean wow man that's uh mm -hmm. so you replaced the negativity with positivity but you did that on your own like you did that with yeah. yourself and mm -hmm. that's so fascinating you know i think that's almost like a form of meditation would you would you consider it that where you know you started giving yourself those self affirmations that gave you what you needed in order to overcome those anxieties and insecurities yeah exactly and honestly like i don't even know where that came from man or like how i started doing that but i just know that when i dance like when i'm dancing when i'm performing like it gives me a feeling that nothing like no it gives me a feeling like nothing else in the world man and you know i always felt good when i was dancing and i always felt like something was missing whenever i would take a break or whenever i wasn't so i i had to figure out a way just to keep dancing and and, and get away from the negative stuff that i was going through so um but yeah it's almost like a self-meditation you have to almost pull yourself like forcefully out of the negativity sometimes man like that's the only way to get out sometimes you know what i mean and it's it really 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 helped and um yeah I, w I would just say that to anybody man anybody who you know struggles with insecurities because i talk to artists all the time like people i always get messages like in my inboxes um hey man like i'm a i'm, a, I'm an artist and like i'm i'm struggling to get my stuff out there like how do i how do I succeed as an artist? You know, I get these questions all the time and like, I just tell people the number one thing man, is, you know, insecurity, man, is one of the biggest um, downfalls of, of most artists out there. You know, they're always, a lot of people, um, the way they, they think about their content and the way they think about their projects is they're, they're scared that they're gonna fail. You know what I mean? And they, they, they think that if, oh, if I put out this piece of content and it only gets like one like and no comments, then it's going to be a failure, failure. You know what I mean? And like, mm -hmm. that's the one thing I just tell people is, man, you can't think like that. Like, yeah, like you could put out something and like, maybe no one will like it or nobody will share it. But what if you put out something and that piece of content changes your life? Like, what if that, what if, what if it blows up and it literally like that happens so often, man, people put out one thing changes their whole career man their whole life you know what i mean Fact. it puts it puts a spotlight on them that nobody would have seen before if it was just sitting in your drafts or sitting in your sitting on your hard drive you know what i mean so that's my number one um uh recommendation to, to any artists out there who are struggling with insecurity man you know mm. stop consuming start creating yes man you know what i mean content creation i think is is definitely medicine and not just through social media, but creating art in whatever form or fashion that might be. I think that's definitely a positive outlet. So on that note, yeah. I'd love to ask you, um, and, and please let me know if you want me to provide you any context, but when did you start learning about your identity and understanding who you are as a human being? Um, you know, it wasn't until I started learning more about who I am as a Nekiao, who I am as a Cree indigenous person, um, is when I really started learning about who I am and kind of where I fit in with humanity. You know, like throughout most of my years growing up, like I felt really lost, you know what I mean? Like, and I think that's why I turned to gangs. That's why I turned to like drugs and alcohol and, 
um, you know, violence and, and stuff like that is because um, growing up, most of my years, I, I was really lost. Like I didn't, like I said, I didn't grow up with my traditional settings. I didn't grow up in ceremony. I didn't grow up in uh, with my language or anything like that. And it wasn't until I started learning more about my my indigenous roots, and it wasn't until I started actually, you know. Uh, discovering ceremonies like you know sweats, sun dances, pipe ceremonies, stuff like that, and it wasn't until I started being a uh, escapios um, for one of my lodges um, back home. Escapios means um, an elder's helper in my language, so it wasn't until I started helping out with some of our ceremonies and just learning and sitting in and, and learning more about um, you know who who I am as an indigenous person, um, and that's when. I really started to feel like I belonged somewhere. You know what I mean? That's when I really started to feel that, okay, like I'm not just lost. Okay, it's not just me against the world. It's like no, it's like it's it's uh, I belong to um, to to a very special um, cultural rich background. And I was and once I found my culture, once I started finding more about my language and my indigenous roots, is when I, I really um, you know didn't feel alone anymore. You know what I mean? And I felt like I belonged. So I think that's the big thing for me, man, is, is just being able to find my culture and, and being able to be around really good, positive people um, who push me to learn more about my identity as a, as a Nekiel Cree man. And then that's what, that's, I think, what helped me the most out of anything. Amazing. And how did you get introduced to that? Like, where, where are your parents uh, really, you know, involved in their culture, your grandparents? Like, how did you get introduced to that stage in your life? Yeah, well, um, you know, my my uh, my parents, um, I, I, I didn't really have a great relationship. Well, I had a good relationship with my parents, but, um, you know, my mom and my dad, they, they were they had their own stuff that they were going through. So, um, you know, we never really talked much about uh, traditions. We never really talked much about, uh, you know, traditional stuff. Um, and growing up, like I had felt like I was I, I was kind of put on this path kind of, um, I don't know, I don't want to say alone because like I, I know my mom and my dad both loved me, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But they were also struggling with things in their lives, you know what I mean? Like like a lot of parents um, like do. And so I, I felt like I kind of was kind of on my own when it came to like my cultural stuff, you know what I mean? Like learning that. Um, and the way that I got introduced to it is through, through breakdancing, through hip hop, honestly, like being an, uh, an indigenous artist, um, the way that I got introduced to it is I seen uh, after seeing those indigenous break dancers I, I seen a couple of power dancers and I was like, yo, that's dope, man I love the way that they move like I, I want to do that man. I want to I want to start, you know uh, Dancing powwow because uh, I feel more can I, I feel like this would be more me as as to being a hip-hop dancer You know what I mean? Like I feel like this like I could blend the two together. I can blend like my hip-hop moves with traditional moves and like I have my own style, you know what I mean? So I felt like I was really, I was really uh, drawn to powwow. And um, I, I asked um, one of these guys, I asked this guy one time, I was, I think I was like maybe 14 years old. And I went up to this guy and I was like, hey man, can you teach me about uh, power dancing? Like I want to learn how to grass dance. And he's like, well, first of all, you got to offer tobacco if you want any teachings because that's the way we do it around here. And I was like, okay, he's like, so come back and talk to me when you got some tobacco. So I went, I walked around like this. I was at a powwow. I went and I found, um, I asked my buddy, hey, can I borrow a smoke? So I borrowed a smoke and I, gave, I went back and I gave it back to this guy. And I was like, okay, could you tell me a little bit about powwow dancing? Like I want to learn. And he's like, okay. 
And then he straight up told me, he's like, all right, man. So this is the grass dance. This is the fancy dance. This is this, this is that. And he sat me down and he shared a lot with me, man. And he's like, if you want to start learning, you need to find a mentor, find somebody to kind of introduce you and, and, and teach you the right way. You know what I mean? And yeah, so then I, um, I was able to kind of uh, uh, find a guy who was also a break dancer, but also a grass dancer. And uh, his name was Leo Latender. He's like a really good brother of mine now, uh, one, of my, one of my best friends. And um, yeah, I asked him, I approached him and he started teaching me, man. Just, you know what I mean? Like, he's like, yeah, I'll show you some moves. He showed me some moves and then we became good friends. And then he actually gave me my first grass regalia and uh, invited me to come perform in Italy with them uh, when I was like 16 years old. So, you know, but, uh, and, and honestly, like, I don't, for anybody who doesn't know about your culture, for anybody who doesn't know your language, you know, don't feel ashamed. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not your fault. Um, you know, uh, I, I don't want anybody to feel like if they don't know powwow or if they don't know language or if they don't know like, their ceremonies, I don't want anyone to feel that um, uh, ashamed of that. You know, that stuff will come when you're ready. You know what I mean? When you're ready to, to accept it, when you're, when you got, when you're ready, um, you know, creator will just put it in your path. You know what I mean? And it can start with anything, man. It can start with learning how to do a, uh, a prayer in your language. It can start by learning how to smudge, learning how to, um, uh, how to powwow. It could be anything, man. It'll just, it'll start just like this and boom, you know what I mean? It'll just come to you when you're ready, but you, you have to, um, you know, uh, make a few sacrifices though if, if, if you want to do it the right way you know what I mean and like I had to sacrifice partying I had to sacrifice drinking I had to sacrifice uh, drugs I had to sacrifice being violent you know what I mean I had to put all those things to the side if I wanted to continue to learn more about my culture and ceremony because those two things those things don't really mix you know what I mean and I was told straight up I was like yo if you want me to keep teaching you if you want to, if you want to learn about this, if you want to come to like, um, to the ceremonies that we attend, you can't be drinking, man. You can't be doing drugs. You can't be fighting anymore. Like, you know what I mean? You gotta, you gotta, um, try walking, try walking the red road a bit, man. If you want to come on this path, because it's, 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 it's really hard to, to mix those two negative, to, to mix those things together. So I personally had to make sacrifices. You know, I, I quit drinking when I was a teenager. I quit doing drugs. I quit, fighting i quit you know hanging out with with gangs and stuff like that you know what i mean because i to me it was way more important to learn about who i am as an indigenous person than than, than stay with that stuff so mm, well said man i want to i want to highlight a little bit of something that you talked about because it almost seems like mentorship was kind of that tipping point for you to really get into that culture understand it learn it in a good way so how important is mentorship to you and do you actually also offer mentorship to others? Yeah, um, for me, it was so important, man. Like, I definitely probably wouldn't be where I am today or doing what I'm doing if I didn't have that mentorship, you know what I mean? If I didn't have somebody pushing me to be like, all right, James, come on, man, wake up. Gotta go chop some wood. All right, James, let's put up this teepee, you know what I mean? Or let's, let's, set, up this, let's set up this lodge. Like, I, I, if I didn't have somebody literally pushing me to do that stuff when I was younger, like, I don't know where I'd be today, man. So um, for me, it's really important. And yeah, I do offer um, mentorships. You know, I, I speak with a lot of people online. Um, a lot of young, young um, people come to me and ask me questions. And I have meetings with, uh, with kids and their parents. And, you know, I, I try my best to share what's, what was given to me and, and give back to people who really need it or people who really are seeking it out. You know what I mean? So, um, and 
that's one of the things actually I wanted to just touch on today is like, yeah, um, I think this whole, sorry to go off to topic, but oh, this whole coronavirus, good, like this whole self-isolation has really opened up a lot of um, opportunities for me in general, just in the online world and how I've been going about my, my shows and my gigs and stuff, because now like I'm getting a lot of work and I'm getting a lot of people um, just wanting, you know, um, just everyday coaching, power fitness, uh, teaching. I've been teaching people how to fancy. I've been teaching my like some of my some of my friends, some of my bros, how to power dance like through through Zoom and through Skype, like showing them fancy dancing and showing my friends, uh, you know, hoop dancing and stuff like that. So it's kind of opened up a lot of you know like light bulbs. I was like, all right, man, like um, you know. This, this this technology, obviously there's there's always a downside, but there's also a positive side, man, where I'm able to share, you know, dances and I'm able to share some of my teachings with, um, you know, some brothers and sisters out there who might not have gotten the chance before. You know what I mean? Amazing. Yeah. Um, that's incredible, man. So I think it's definitely worth highlighting that in your life journey, you know, you got mentored as a young person. Yeah. And as you kind of established yourself, you now pass on that teaching to the next generation. Mm -hmm. And I think that's exactly what we need as a community is for us to pass on and share those teachings. And I've learned a lot in my, my adult years. And from an indigenized version of wealth, that's about how much you can share, how much can you give back, you know? So I think that's, that's really rich for you to share that, that uh, perspective, man, and, and really share that part of your story. I think that's really important. Mm. So I kind of wanted to know, when did, how old were you when you started powwow dancing? Uh, I wasn't, honestly, I was like 16 when I started powwow dancing, probably. Like, I wasn't even that young. I was like 16 when I started powwow dancing. And um, I, yeah, I think I was about 16 years old when I started powwow dancing. And um, yeah, I wasn't even really serious about it until I was like in my 20s, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like until I was like 20, I would say like 20, 22, 23, 24 is when I started getting serious about it. And I was like, all right, man, now I need like a new regalia, I need some beadwork, like I'm gonna hit the power trail, you know what I mean? <laughs> like I, I wasn't even that serious about it until I was like in my 20s. So, and I know, I know dancers who start dancing in their 30s and 40s, man, straight up. Like I know dancers who start dancing when they're 30, 40 i've even had i've had friends um who i'm good friends with today who started dancing in their 50s you know what i mean like uh, that's the one thing about uh, like powwow and just arts in general man is you're never ever too old or too young or too anything to start you know what i mean if you want to do it if you are inspired by watching powwow dancers and you always wanted to do it do it man like now uh, now i would say if all the times in history now is probably the easiest time to get into it you know what i mean because like even 10 years ago if you wanted to start dancing like you literally you needed to know somebody like a regalia maker okay you needed to know somebody who knew somebody who was a regalia maker or did beadwork and you had to go visit them and you know what i mean like it was a big process to getting a regalia but now you know we have the internet man and like if you want a regalia you know you can meet somebody online you can talk to them um, you know, they can educate you on the colors and all this stuff, you know what I mean? So now it's easier than ever if you want to get into it, man. And I would say like, you know, for anybody who, who's wanting to get into maybe be a fancy shawl or fancy or grass dancer, you know what I mean? Like we can learn, we can learn these teachings online too. You know what I mean? When I first started power dancing, 
I had to learn like straight up face to face with people uh, and, and, and be told like, all right, this is how it is, man. This is what it means. And this is how, you know what I mean? But like now you can actually learn online as well. You know what I mean? Like you can learn online um, from people. So it's now is a good time to get into it, man. If you never got into it before. Nice. I think you're, you're bringing up some interesting things. One of the, you know, things I started to reflect on what you were talking about is it's definitely easier now today because there's been generations of young people who've learned how to make their own regalia, who've learned how to pick up beadwork because of the accessibility of, of the internet, you know, in most circumstances. So I think such a fascinating evolution of our people, our culture and our own indigenomics. You know, I think we got more bead, 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 uh, beaters nowadays. We got more people making regalia. And so it's definitely easier to have your regalia made, et cetera. So that, I think that was one of the things that I really started to reflect on when you were sharing. So that's so fascinating, but I wanted to know what was the first style of dance you, you started getting into? The first style of dance that I, that I, that I did yeah. was grass. Um, I started off doing um, men's grass dance and uh, that, was, that was the first style that I ever did. Um, and then after grass, I actually started doing a little bit of hoop dancing and then I switched to fancy. Okay. And then um, I did fancy for, like I'm still a fancy dancer today, but um, how I actually got into hoop dancing, and actually most people would know me as a hoop dancer. If you were to ask like, you know, I would say like a hundred of people who know me, they would know me as a hoop dancer. Um, and, um, but the way that I got into hoop dancing, like how I seriously got into it was, was kind of crazy, not crazy, but, um, interesting. Um, I actually, I, I, I sustained a really bad injury in my right leg. I tore my ACL, my MCL, as well as all my cartilage meniscus. Basically my whole kneecap wow. was like hanging off by a thread. You know, I, I sustained wow. it. Um, in a, I was, I was doing a backflip off of a wall and I landed weird and, um, yeah, my whole kneecap just blew out and I was actually out. I, I didn't dance for almost two years after that. And, um, it took me a long time to figure out what was wrong and then I had to get surgery. And during this time, what happened is I actually, um, I had a dream. It was weird. Like I was missing dance so much, man. Like I was going crazy, bro. I'm telling you, like. I was like, oh man, I, I, I just, I, I, I was just, all I could think of all day long, every day is like, oh, I wish I could dance. I wish I could dance. I wish I could dance. And um, at the time I was like, just mostly break dancing. And I actually had this dream and I dreamt that I was doing a head spin with hoops on my arms. Wow. So I, I was, I don't know what it was, but I was, I, I was on a stage and I was doing head spin and I, and I had hoops on my arms, like um, traditional hoops. And I was like, oh man. Maybe I should start hoop dancing again. So that's when I, I, I reached out to my, uh, my hoop mentor, which is uh, Sage Romero. He's a Tus Pablo uh, native dude from uh, Southern California. I reached out to him and I was like, hey brother, like um, I, I'm really wanting to get into um, hoop again, you know, and he, he was able to really help me on my hoop journey and, you know, show me the more traditional ways of hooping and what it means, stuff like that. So I really, I'm always grateful for my bro Sage Romero, who, who introduced me to like the hoop, hoop family. Um, and yeah, and I started hooping after that. And um, it's crazy because like, even though I couldn't break dance, and I couldn't be creative breakdancing anymore because of my knee surgery and healing. Mm-hmm. I was able to do all the stuff with my hoops. Like basically I could train all day with hoops. 
You know what I mean? Like I could literally just train all day with my hoops and like um, be really creative with them and, 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 and that stuff, you know? So um, it was, it was really freaking crazy. And I, I did that for like the whole time that I was healing, like the entire time that I was on my healing um, journey, I was basically practicing hoops, even sitting down, like on the couch, I was practicing hoops and um, yeah, it was, uh, it was crazy, man. That's how I got into hoop dancing. So incredible, yeah. man. You've, you've performed all over the world, man. We're talking Europe, Australia, you've been to Iceland. Tell us what was one of your favorite long distance performances? Well, my favorite long distance performance uh, was uh, I got to perform um, in Australia outside of the uh, Sydney Opera House. They have this like big indigenous festival every year called Home Growing. And um, I was there with a tribe called Red. And we had our out, we had a big concert there, like outside with everybody, and um, that was cool. But during during that festival, um, they had like I don't know, they had this like their traditional sand that they perform in, where all their like Mari fire spinners and like um, uh, indigenous dancers from Australia perform in. And it was just uh, they asked me to come and share my hoop dance like in this like sand pit. And it was like surrounded by like a thousand people who were like all different indigenous tribes from like all over the world, like straight up, like, wow. and honestly, bro, like I was like, I was like, the, the, the energy was so strong, man, that I was like, I was like teary eyed when I was performing because I could just feel, man, the strength of like all, all the indigenous, like different cultures there, you know what I mean? And like, there was so like just so much energy, man, it was insane. And that was probably the, the one performance, long distance performance that I'll always remember, man. You know what I mean? Like it just, there's no, no comparison, man, um, for me. But yeah, I, I would say that's my favorite performance. But the favorite, my favorite place that I ever traveled to though, um, just in general, um, was, uh, uh, it was actually just here in Canada on the West Coast, this little, this little island called Haida Gwaii on the West Coast. Um, okay. I, I would say that's like my favorite trip I ever been on, man. I don't know. I just, I love that. Just the energy of that place, man. The, the, the indigenous people there, the natives, uh, how, how deep rooted they still are in their culture. Like I just, I, I loved everything about Haida Gwaii. So that's my favorite trip to perform at Haida Gwaii on the West Nine. Coast. But my favorite long distance uh, performance would be the, um, just outside the Sydney Opera House at, uh, in Sydney, Australia. Okay, nice. Cindy, Australia. Tell us what that was like being out there in, in Australia, man. I hot, man. It was hot. hot. Eh? It was really freaking hot because, um, like, our winter is their summer. You know what I mean? Mm. So, like, um, yeah, we, we were there during their hot period. And um, I don't know, like, here in Canada, uh, I would say, like, in Edmonton, it gets, like, plus 30, mostly plus 35. Uh, it was plus 53 when we were in Australia, wow. like a lot, like some of the days. So it was crazy. Like not even doing anything outside, bro. Like just walking around outside for like an hour. Like you felt like you had a huge stroke. Like you had like the craziest headache ever. You're freaking sunburned. You feel like you're freaking, you feel like you're like dehydrated. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, man. It was, it was, it was crazy, man. So um, that it was really hot, but it was really beautiful. And one of the things I really loved about Australia 
was um, just how welcoming a lot of the um, the brothers and sisters were down there. Like we we toured with a group um, called Oka, and they're like a uh, indigenous group. They're kind of like the tribe called Red of Australia. Okay. You know I mean? Yeah. Like they're they they do like electronic music um, with reggae, and they also play like digi and like all the like indigenous um, uh, indigenous art uh, arts. They, they add that to their to their band so they're like they like a live a live band and they're dope man like it was cool because like all the indigenous people we met there like basically introduced like they we're basically like family like right from like time we said hi so mm -hmm. that was really cool man i felt really being down there um and being down there like around indigenous people it felt like i was literally here like i didn't ever feel like i was away from home it was like right it's like it's breakfast man come over we're cooking breakfast like you know what i mean dinner nice. yo where are you at we're making family. dinner come over yo good vibe. you know what i mean it's like just like yeah. family man you know so it was it was really good vibes down there man nice so on that topic of performances one of your big tours that you went on was with a tribe called red is that correct yeah yeah i was with them for almost four years wow so, so tell us like how did you how did you land going on tour with the tribe called Red? Did you know them beforehand? Like, how did you come across that? Um, well, yeah, like I didn't know them beforehand. Um, tribe called Red, like they reached out to me. I remember we did wow. a performance. Nice. Uh, it was the Inspire Awards in Saskatoon. Okay. So it was like the Inspire Awards in Saskatoon. And I remember we did a uh, performance. I did a performance with them like separately. And it was, I was like one of the only indigenous dancers who was adding break dancing to the show. Mm. So I was like, I was basically doing hoop mixed with breaking and they were performing live. And after the show, he reached out to me and was like, hey, we're gonna go on tour. And this is before like, they were just coming up, you know what I mean? Yeah. I guess is before like they had won a Juno or anything okay. like that or the Polaris like they were literally just coming up and they're like yo we're gonna do a little tour in northern Ontario we want to bring a dancer and like you do break dancing and hoop dancing so we think you would mix good with like what we do and I was like all right cool and um yeah so I went and I performed for a couple shows like maybe six or seven shows and then that was the night that uh, they won the, the Polaris too so oh, I performed wow. with them at the Polaris and then I went home for like a few months and then like yo we're going on a big tour do you want to come so i jumped on and then yeah i basically toured with tribe called red for like almost four years and um uh yeah we, we performed for like four years together we traveled the world we went all over we went to like you know performed at freaking uh coachella and all these big Great. festivals all over the world so that was dope you know and um uh and then yeah after about four years um i don't know i kind of had like a falling out with one of the members in the band and it was just like a negative environment after that. So um, yeah, we just decided it was best just to kind of, you know, part ways and stuff like that. But, you know, nothing, nothing bad. I have nothing bad to say about Tribe Called Red or you know, what they're doing, you know what I mean? Like yeah. they changed the music game and like I have nothing but, but love for all the members and everybody, the organization, you know what I mean? Like I, 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 I don't hold anything anything negative towards them or whatnot, you know what I mean? It's all love and um, yeah, but, that's uh, that's 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 basically my 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 little four year period with Tribe Called Red, and we had some really good times, though, man. We had some good laughs, good times. We traveled all over, and it was like I, I, there was times, bro, where I felt like straight up, like I felt like I was like Rihanna or something. I always I know it sounds weird, but like oh no, man, tell just, us about it. 
just just like just like the way that not that I felt like a superstar, but the travel was like really, really similar to like, you know what I mean? Like being in New York, um, flying into New York at like three o'clock and performing at midnight and then going to the airport at three in the morning and then mm -hmm. flying to like Europe and then getting off the plane, going straight to a music festival, performing, go right back to the airport, fly to Norway, perform, you know what I mean? Like it was literally, dude, I, there was times where I like, I didn't even know that I had fallen asleep. Like I, I was so tired sometimes backstage. Like I, I would literally like, I remember being, I don't, I think we we're in France or maybe we we're, yeah, I think we we're in flat France or maybe Slovakia, one of the two. And, uh, I was, we were at this big music festival and I was so tired that like we had, I think we had like three hours before our show and like there was nowhere to sleep. I literally, like laid on the grass, like face first on the grass. I had like a little towel. I made a little, um, I made a little pillow and I just, I slept for three hours straight, face down on the grass. I was so freaking tired from traveling so much. And um, yeah, like that's just how crazy it got, man. Like our, our tour schedule was like straight up insane, man. And um, yeah, I, I, it was definitely something that I, I'll never forget, you know what I mean? Like, being on being on that kind of a tour schedule so how do you maintain your balance in such a crazy fast-paced lifestyle on tour how do you maintain you know good positive health and how so what do you do to maintain your balance through those crazy times like that it, honestly it's really tough man um it's really really tough like i would say when you're traveling that much and you're that busy like there's there's times throughout the day where you're like this is amazing like oh my god like i can't believe i'm like i'm on this side of the world and i'm touring and i'm doing these big shows like you're so grateful but you're also really start you really start to get run down i would say spiritually like in the same sense if i could compare it to something is like you know when you're grieving yeah. um and like like let's say like you're grieving and like you know you're you're sometimes your spirit just feels vulnerable you know what i mean like sometimes mm -hmm. your spirit just feels vulnerable and weakened like you just feel like weak sometimes you know what i mean because you're so drained uh, and the travel is so heavy like you just feel um very very tired spiritually mentally and uh physically and there was times bro where like we would go to like prague like prague um like to do a show and like there was times we'd be in places like that like amazing cities people dream of going there right yeah. and we'd have like the day off and literally like nobody would go into town like we would wow. just stay in the hotel because we we're so just drained and tired and like we'd be and sometimes we'd be in amazing places and we're like nah i'm not going out i'm just gonna sit in my hotel room i'm gonna order food I'm going to Skype with my family and I'm going to bed. You know what I mean? But because, um, because yeah, you're, you're just so, you're so physically drained, man, that like, you just, there's nothing you can, like, you're just so tired and, and yeah, but, and, and that's the thing, man, is being on the road that much, like it made me appreciate home just so much more, you know, like growing up in Edmonton, um, I've always been like, oh, like Edmonton sucks. Like, this place is boring like 
you know, there's nothing to do here. Like that's what you're, everybody's like that in every city you live in, right? They always want to go somewhere else. You know, they always want to, they always want to go somewhere. They want to be on an island. They want to go to Hawaii or they want to go to LA. You know what I mean? Like nobody appreciates yeah. their home um, um, these days. And me being on the road so much, bro, I would like, I would be in like New York and I couldn't wait to get home. You know what I mean? Like I would be in like Paris, France. I couldn't wait to get home, man. Like I could, I was counting down the days that I get to go home and just go sit at my favorite coffee shop and just do work and, you know, go play poker with my bros, you know, um, you know, hang out with my girl, uh, go to the golf course and just chill. Like I couldn't wait to do those simple little things, man. Like, and I could, I would, I could be in any freaking amazing, crazy place like in the world that I was dreaming about going home, you know? Nice. So appreciate home. And we all were, trust me. <laughs> like making sure you have enough awareness to appreciate what you got here because you never know when that could be, be could be gone. You know, when, when, and with all that traveling you're doing, I think that's super interesting that it makes you appreciate where your heart is and that's at home. And mm -hmm. so you've also mm -hmm. participated in the world hoop dance championships and you've been top 10. What did you, was it like four four years in a row, my man. So tell us what is it like performing and competing in a world hoop dance competition? And this year in February, you just got third place. So what was your experience like competing, man, in those world competitions? Uh, I would say like, it's, it's been, it's been pretty crazy, honestly. Like I, I never expected to ever even make top 10 like my first year or my second year like I when I go to the world hoop championship I'm always like I don't know I just always think in my head like oh, okay well I would just be happy to go and just dance and just you know um, share my story and I don't know like it's crazy like how I never really expect people to I don't know I guess I don't want to say that I'm insecure but I would say that when it comes to like the hoop dance championships, you know, there's, there's so many people who've been there their entire lives and, you know, they're very well known. And I always just, it's crazy to me sometimes when I, and, and, and like, there's so many good dancers at the world hoop championships. That's the thing, man, is like, it's not like a regular competition, like the world hoop championships, you know, there's like, you know, 40 of us uh, competing in the men's and then in the adult category. Uh, sorry, not men, just the adult category. There's like 30 or 40 of us competing in there. And I would say like out of 40 people competing in like the World Hoop Championships, I would say like almost all 40 could like could win the championships, can win a title. You know what I mean? Like that's how yeah. good everybody is. Like there's nobody who's not good. And like there's a lot of like I mean, obviously there's a few people who are just starting out. Some people like, it's like, they're just learning. So, you know, but I would say like 90% of the people who compete at the World Hoop Championships have a good chance of winning every year. That's how, that's how tight the competition is. You know what I mean? So like for me to make the top 10 in the last, you know, four or five years, whatever, man, I'm so blessed and I'm just happy that like I'm, I was able to like, just get in there. And then last year, um, you know, squeezing out a third place, like that's my highest place finish that I've ever had. And um, yeah, I, I'm still, even when I think about it now, I'm like, that's crazy, man. Like, you know, but I love hoop dancing though, man. You know, I, that's the one thing that 
I would say of all the things that I do, whether it's fancy or breaking or anything, man, creating content, um, I would say the thing that comes most natural to me is hoop dancing. Like that's the one thing that I do every day, man. Like I always pick up my hoops. I'm always creating, I'm always motivated to hoop dance. And I think maybe that's one of the reasons why I, I've been doing well the last few years is because um, it just, I, I feel like, I just feel grounded and balanced when I'm, when I'm hoop dancing, you know what I mean? So I'm always, you'll always see me, I always have hoops in my hand. Even today, even, even to this day, man, I'm always playing with hoops. I'm always, I'm always trying to create. I'm always practicing. Like I'm, I'm, that's one thing I don't, I, I don't know. That's one thing that I don't really, a lot of things I need motivation for, you know, if I go to the gym, I need motivation. You know what I mean? Um, if I, if I'm going to create content, if I'm going to do work, like I, I have to motivate myself. But when it comes to hoop dancing, all I got to do is just pick up a hoop, man. You know? Nice. So I just want to ask you a couple more questions, but what goes into preparing for a hoop dance? or a world competition. Now I'm saying that with, you know, future hoop dancers in mind. I'm saying that with our future generations in mind who might be curious to pick up hoops and, you know, compete in, the, in a world competition one day. So what goes into preparing and what guidance could you give the next generation? Um, I would say the biggest um, piece of advice I can give is um, not to worry so much about, um, doing difficult tricks you know with your hoop you know what i mean like for me the first couple of years i was so concerned with 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 really flashy like really cool hoop tricks um that i didn't really focus that much on the dancing and it's actually it's it's the dancing that makes the hoop dancer you know what i mean like uh, for me now like i have such a i have such a big respect for um, hoop dancers who 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 dance first and then put the hoops second, you know what I mean? Because to me, I, I to me I think it's a it's a dance first, you know what I mean? Before anything, I think it's a dance, and then um, and and so you have to you have to move your feet, man. You have to be reacting with the music. So I would say like to any any future younger hoop dancers out there, make sure you know you're. It really helps if you also dance powwow. So if you're not dancing powwow, it's really helps to get into one of the powwow dances, just to learn about the drum, learn about like where the stops are, learn the music, um, being able to flow. Because the thing is, if you're just focusing on the hoops, if you're just focusing on like the, um, uh, the creativity of the hoops, uh, a lot of times it's going to be a lot tougher for you because the dancing is not going to come natural. And that's the hard part. The hard part is being able to dance on beat hit the hit the beats you know what i mean mm. uh react with the music so i would say focus on the music first and then uh, hoops second respect man appreciate that so what's next for for james jones i mean i know we're we're stuck in quarantine right now but post quarantine like what's next for james jones um honestly man i i don't know like who knows what's going on after this but i would say for me um, my big goal right now that I have, if I could name one of my goals, is um, I just want to I want to really transition my my art and my creativity into helping um, helping out artists and helping out you know entrepreneurs and um, yeah I want to start doing like mentorships um, you know online coaching uh, I want to help teach artists 
how to you know get their content out there i want to i want to i just want to give back now man i don't know i want to start teaching um I want to start giving and, and teaching and giving advice onto entrepreneurs and artists um, about how to um, just how to be the best versions of themselves, man. You mm. know what I mean? So yes. I think that's kind of my goal from now is like, I want to, obviously I'm going to keep creating my content, like, you know, power fitness, um, you know, hoop dance, fancy competitions, like that stuff will always be there. But my goal is now for the future is I want to start giving back and, and sharing my experiences with with being an artist um, and and how to be successful in this in this uh, in this genre you know of of entertainment and uh, yeah I'm I'm gonna start basically just creating more content and more awareness to artists who are who are looking to level up. Amazing man, I can relate to you. Like that's one of my biggest passions and driving factors when it comes to anything I do. Whether it's a drop in an album, doing this podcast, I always have that future generation in mind and I just want to help them be the best version of themselves too. So I relate to you on that 100%. So my last question for you, my man, what does success yeah, mean? Yeah, for sure, bro. What, what does success mean to you? To me, the, the only, to me, um, to me, success has nothing to do with fame or money or status or followers or anything like that. To me, um, the definition of success is happiness. So regardless of what you're doing, regardless of how much money you make, whatnot, if you're, if you're not happy, then I don't think you're successful, man. You know, and like there's different levels of success. Obviously, you know, there's financial success. There's, um, you know, there's, there's, um, success of how many you know possessions you own and there's mm. physical success there's mental success there's spiritual success so i think for me if if the way that i de define success is how successful are you on all those levels you know what i mean like are you are you successful spiritually you know what i mean are you connected with your with your spirituality um you know how do you feel on a daily basis like physically are you are you are you happy with how you feel physically uh, are you able to look in the mirror and be proud of, of who you are you know what i mean like are you able like you know what i mean and um same with mental right like uh you know if you have a billion dollars but you you're you're still um your ment your 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 mental game is not there and you're in your you're, you're causing, you know, you know, wars in your own head every day with your insecurities and stuff like that. Like that's, that's also going to hurt your success. So for me, it's just happiness, man, straight up in a simple answer. Are, are you happy with yourself on all levels, man? And to me, that really defines success. So, um, yeah. Uh, and that's what I try to work on for myself every day. I have a little checkbox. Okay. I got to make sure, um, I always make sure that I have to pray you know what I mean? So I have to smudge. I got to pray. I got to be thankful. Um, uh, I have to work out every day at six o'clock, man. I don't care what I'm doing, bro, where I am. I have to work out. You know what I mean? So I have my, I always got my stereo. I always got my AirPods. I always got my fancy sticks. So wherever I am, 6 p.m. every day, I have an alarm that goes off. I start practicing. I'll do like 10 fancy songs in a park, in a parking lot. I don't care, man, where I am. I have to work out 6 p.m. every day. Um, and then eating good, man, straight up. Eating good for me is also, uh, feeling healthy is also a level of success. So I have to make sure that I'm eating healthy every day. If I don't eat healthy, if I eat like garbage, I'll feel like crap and I won't feel successful in that. So I say just 
you know, creating little check boxes, little goals every day that you, that you can reach um, that are going to make you happy. And to me, that's, that's, that defines true success. Well said. I think that's a great way to wrap this up. James Jones, I can't thank you enough for joining us on this No Blueprint series. I appreciate you so much for sharing your wisdom, your knowledge, and your experience mm-hmm. with us. It's, it's a great session, and I can't wait uh, you know, to continue to, to, to hear and witness your journey. You're doing amazing things. You're a positive role model out there. So I just want to express my gratitude, and thank you so much for joining us today, man. For sure, brother. Nice, nice to be on. And uh, to everybody watching out there, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We appreciate all of you. Uh, I just want to say, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again, brother. Watch day, man. Later.